Well, good morning, Woodmont, and welcome to uh, our second week of Woodmont Live at 945. Uh, I welcome you to worship on this, uh, this Palm Sunday, and um, I, I want to welcome all the families, anybody who's tuned in who may not be uh, a member of our church. We're glad to have you worshiping with us this morning uh, during what continues to be some very uh, bizarre and interesting times uh, in our nation and in our world. I'd like to begin uh, this morning by sharing our scripture. We've been in John's gospel now for many weeks, and we are uh, coming up on Easter a week from today. Let me share first the words of the prophet Zechariah, and then some words from John. Zechariah 9, uh, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow he shall cut off and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Then we turn back in John's gospel to chapter 12, the Palm Sunday text that John gives us is much earlier than in the synoptic gospels. John 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified and they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Would you join me for a short prayer? Loving God on this Palm Sunday, open our hearts and open our minds that we can hear a word from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to begin this morning by asking you to do something. Oftentimes in, in worship, we take a moment and we pass the peace of Christ. And so I want you to take just a moment and with your spouse, with your family, uh, or even with me, uh, I would say the peace of Christ be with you. And then I want you to repeat it back to me. The peace of Christ be with you. Take a moment and pass the peace. Today we begin Holy Week. And Holy Week is the most important week of the year for us as Christians. It begins with Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into the holy city, Jerusalem, during the time of Passover. And usually when we celebrate Palm Sunday, we have our children all over the sanctuary and they are waving palm branches, and they are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, uh, to welcome Jesus. But this year is different. This year we can't have that. And so our children 
must shout Hosanna from their homes and from their living rooms and on the couches. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Usually during Holy Week, we have special worship services leading up to Easter. We have a Monday, Thursday service on Thursday night where we remember the Last Supper, the, the mandate that Jesus gave his disciples. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. And then on Good Friday, we, we often gather here in the sanctuary for an ecumenical service on the seven last words of Christ. And, and we welcome clergy from different parts of Nashville to come and share that. Well, this week it's gonna be different. And both of those services are gonna be virtual. They're going to be on the computer, but guess what? They can still be powerful in that way. For Easter, one week from today, we wanna ask for your help. Later this week, we're gonna send out a link with a, a Google photo uh, link. And we want you to look around and take pictures of your family or anything that you see around that shows signs of new life. Because right now we could all use as many signs of new life as we can find. So take those pictures over the next few days and then load them to that, that Google document. And then we're gonna try to display them a week from today as part of our Easter celebration. Maybe it's your family under a dogwood tree, or maybe it's a new baby that's been born into your family, or maybe it's just something that you see in nature that, that, that is giving you a sign of, of new life. Take that picture and share it uh, with other people. You know, what we are going through right now as a culture, as a nation, as a world is very difficult. Uh, having to stay apart from the people that we love and the people that we care about is very hard, but it's a very necessary thing right now. We are doing this out of love to slow down this coronavirus, to keep people from getting sick, to keep our healthcare system from being overwhelmed. And, you know, it feels kind of funny, but the medical experts are saying that the more we stay apart, the sooner we can get back together again. The more we stay apart right now, the sooner we can get back together again. And so today on Palm Sunday, I want you to think through something with me. I want us to think about how we face our fears in life. Because there's a lot of fear right now. It's everywhere. You can't escape it. You can't hide from it. And so I think the only thing that we can do is we can face it. And face it with the same courage that Jesus showed on that first Palm Sunday so many years ago when he entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. John tells us in chapter 12 that it was during the festival of Passover and the crowds heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And of course they had heard of his teachings and they had heard of his healings. They had heard how he had he'd caused the blind to see and the lame to walk and, and he had performed miracles and he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so they took palm branches and they, they waved them in the air and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And, 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 and Jesus fulfilling those words of the prophet Zechariah, he rode into the city on a donkey, which is a symbol of peace. You see, Jesus was coming in peace. When, when Pilate would enter Jerusalem, he was on a war horse and he had shields and, and spears and swords and cavalry to intimidate the people, to remind them that, that they were being occupied by the, by the Romans. 
But, but yet when Jesus comes in, picture this, picture this. They were waiting on a king to come into the city and Jesus comes in and he's riding on a donkey, humble, riding on a donkey, a clear reminder that the kingdom of God is so very different from the kingdoms of this world. Theologian Stanley Harawas, who I got to spend uh, some time with uh, during my doctoral work, he says this about Palm Sunday. He says, Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem is an unmistakable political act. He has come to be acknowledged as king. He is the son of David, the one long expected to free Jerusalem from foreign domination. Yet this king triumphs not through violent revolt, but by being for Israel, the one who is able to show that its worship of God is its freedom. He is Israel's long expected priestly king, whom the prophet said would come. His entry into Jerusalem is therefore rightly celebrated by those who were not in power. In Matthew's gospel, we find Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often have I desired to gather your children together as hens gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you remember all the way back to the beginning of John's gospel, chapter two, Jesus showed incredible courage when he confronted the authorities at the temple the same courage that he continued to show throughout his life and throughout his ministry. He wasn't afraid, but Jesus knew how everything would end. He knew that you can't challenge the system. You can't challenge the powers that be without facing serious consequences. N.T. Wright says, that is part of the mystery of his crucifixion, wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquity, he cannot establish the new creation without allowing the poison in the old to have its full effect. He, he cannot launch God's kingdom of justice and truth and peace unless injustice, lies, and violence do their worst and like a hurricane blow themselves out, exhausting their force on this one spot. He cannot begin the work of healing the world unless he provides the antidote to the infection that the world otherwise would destroy the project from within. You see, Jesus Christ exposes our world of violence and intimidation for what it is. And he took it on. And this is what it looks like when Israel's God becomes king. You see, Jesus showed incredible courage. But what about us? What about us right now? Do we show the same kind of courage in the face of this pandemic? When we face our own Jerusalems in life, sometimes we're quick to turn around and run away. Many of us are good at avoiding conflict and confrontation, and we do everything in our power to keep it from happening. We run, we hide, we lie, we go back on our word, we get two-faced. We're often unwilling to face up to some of our most difficult situations in life because it can be awkward, it can be uncomfortable. Nobody likes those types of interactions. But what about right now? How do we face our fears right now in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic? You know, when we turn on the TV, what do we see? We see a rising death toll, both globally and nationally. 
We see reports of medical equipment and ventilators that are running out. We see doctors who have the courage to go and treat COVID-19 patients who end up getting the virus themselves. We see people who don't take the social distancing seriously who now wish that they had. There are all kinds of reasons to be afraid, but on this Palm Sunday, I want us to think about how we can show courage, how we can live with courage, because I think that's what Christ is calling us to do right now. Live with courage in the face of fear. And so what does that look like? I'll share four thoughts with you, and I hope you'll think about these throughout the day and throughout this week as we go through Holy Week. First of all, to face our fears in life, we first have to name our fears. And right now, that's actually pretty easy because we know what most of our fears are. We're afraid that, that we or a family member will, will get the coronavirus. We're afraid that this pandemic will last for a really long time. We're afraid that it will affect our livelihood, our jobs, and our well-being. And for many people, that's already happened. We're afraid that, that life will never be normal again. But we cannot face our fears until we first name our fears. Remember the basic difference between fear and anxiety that Paul Tillich points out? He says fear has an object that can be faced, analyzed, attacked, and endured. But anxiety is basically fear of the unknown. We just know we're afraid. We're not sure what we're afraid of. Well, right now, we're experiencing both. We know that we're afraid, but we just don't know how bad things might get. Despite all the graphs and the curves and the models that are being presented on TV. But first and foremost, we have to name our fears so that we can face them. Secondly, we need to talk about our fears with other people. Whatever it is that we're afraid of, we need to talk about it. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your friends. Talk to a minister. Talk to a counselor. Don't just keep it all to yourself. One of the most difficult aspects of social distancing is that we feel isolated. We feel like we're having to do all of this on our own, but that's simply not true. Thanks to technology and cell phones and FaceTime and Zoom and all other kinds of platforms that we have, we can connect with each other and, and we can talk to other people about the things that we're afraid of. We don't have to just shoulder them all by ourselves. We can talk and, and if we keep it to ourselves, then we make the burden that much worse. You know, the reason the counseling works is that it gives us a chance to offload what is on our minds and our hearts so that we don't have to carry it all, all by ourselves. The same thing is true in marriages. The reason we can talk to our spouses is so we can share what's going on and what's weighing on us. The same thing is true in friendship. The same thing is true in life. Having somebody else there to share our burdens with is absolutely essential. And we have to do that, especially right now. Jesus had 12 disciples. And even though they didn't always understand exactly what he was saying or teaching or talking about, they were there to listen. They were there to support each other. And when Jesus would send them out, he sent them out two by two because he knew that they needed each other. They needed each other to talk and, and to support each other. We don't have to be alone in this. We shouldn't be alone in this. You see, stress builds when we keep everything to ourselves. Resentment builds 
when we keep everything to ourselves. And yes, fear builds when we keep everything to ourselves. So we need to talk to other people and get the support that we need. You know, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, a new mandate that you love one another, that you encourage one another, that you support one another, that you check on one another, that you help one another, that you be there for one another. This is the heart of Christianity, and this is what we need to be doing right now. You know, that's the great irony of this pandemic. It's causing a lot of fear, and yet we're being told we have to stay apart. But there are ways to reach out and connect, and we need to utilize those ways. Third, to face our fears in life, we need to pray. Not necessarily pray that this thing will go away, even though that's a, that's a good prayer and that makes a lot of sense, but pray to God for the courage in the face of it. Pray to God for the strength and resilience to make it through this. Pray to God for a new energy and a new patience, especially with each other. After the Last Supper, Jesus goes off to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is a part of Holy Week and, and he prays. He prays to God openly and honestly. He prays that God's will, not his will, will be done. In John's gospel, chapter 17, what does Jesus pray for? He prays for unity among his followers. And yet, if we're honest, we would say that we're not always very good at honoring that prayer because we fight and we argue and we let things divide us and we don't live up to that unity that Christ wanted for his, his people. Isn't it interesting that when we go through a health pandemic like this, some of these divisions that we often have start to feel very insignificant because we're all dealing with this together. We're all going through this together. I would make an assumption this morning, and that assumption is that the people who have a healthy prayer life are probably managing this pandemic better than those who don't. Why? Because people who have a healthy prayer life have found ways to ground themselves to recognize that many things are outside of their control and to not let the fear and anxiety overwhelm them. There's so many misunderstandings about prayer. It's not just an escape. It's not just a way to make things go away. It's not just a way to avoid life's difficulties. It is a way to tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can make it through anything that we face. Prayer anchors us in faith and in the spiritual life. Every year when I preach my core belief sermon in, in, in January, the first Sunday of the year, I talk about how I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that prayer is the means through which we communicate with God, both talking, but also listening. And it's through prayer that we can forgive others and we can let go of things from our past and we can ask for forgiveness ourselves. But prayer remains a mystery. We don't understand exactly how it works. But what we do know is that when we pray, it makes a difference. And so I've always said that it doesn't necessarily matter how you pray or what you say when you pray or where you pray or when you pray. What matters is that you pray and that you use it as a means of grounding your soul and tapping into God's spirit so that you can make it through the difficult situations of life. Prayer is a way of asking for God's help so that we can conquer life's challenges and struggles. You know, somebody once said that through prayer, we, we shouldn't be asking God uh, for lighter loads, but maybe for stronger backs to make it through what we're going through. The bottom line is that prayer reduces fear and anxiety. And if you don't know how to start a prayer, 
then use the prayer that Jesus gave us in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Start with that, and that can be your beginning point. Lastly, this morning, after we have named our fears, after we have talked to others about them, after we have prayed and asked God for the courage and the strength uh, to make it through, this is the last thing that we must do. Live life one day at a time. And in this situation, in this pandemic, we may just need to live life one hour at a time. You know, the present is all that we have. And, and people in the West are not really good at presence and being present. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring troubles of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. You know, we can only take life as it comes one day at a time, one hour at a time. Some of the best times that I've had with my family and with my wife, Megan, during this pandemic has been just sitting out on the back porch in the evenings. We've had some amazing weather here in Nashville, but sitting out and watching the kids play in the backyard and enjoying the nice temperatures and not having practices, not having places to go or things to do because it's the most basic ordinary things in life that we often overlook and that we often take for granted. And so just being present with the people that we love and watching spring bloom all around us, that can take away so much of our fear and our anxiety. On this Palm Sunday, which is one we will never forget, a holy week we will never forget, I pray that we can all face our fears. I pray for the courage that Jesus showed when he faced Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. And may we remember that we can't get to Easter until we first go through Good Friday. There is no resurrection until there is first death. Pain and suffering and hardship, it's all a part of life, but it never has the last word. I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your families as you go through this time. Woodmont is here for you, the ministers are here for you, and this is hard. This is difficult, but we can make it through this and we can pray to God for the courage to do just that. Let me close with these words that I love. It says, we need courage to be who we are. Strength and courage to be who we are. When trouble assails us and confidence fails us, we need courage to take a stand. We need courage to be where we are, just to be fully free where we are. When scorned and neglected, despised and rejected, we need courage to take a stand. There's no need to search for an island where everybody loves your name. For as soon as you find it, you'll soon be surrounded by people playing the same old games. So I've come to this blessed conclusion that no matter where I am, I can be fully me, courageous and free, if I can remember whose I am. God is with us. God is present, and may God give all of us the strength and courage to face and to conquer our anxiety and our fear. At this time, I'd like to invite you to join me for a time of prayer. Uh, there are members of our community who we need to lift up, the family of Jane Dyer, the family of George Shreve. We have a few people who have mild cases of COVID-19, so we wanna pray for them. Uh, during this time. Uh, so I invite you now, if you would, uh, to join me for 
our time of pastoral prayer and we'll end by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Loving God, we come to you during this very difficult time. It's a time that none of us saw coming, but it's a time that we are having to go through in our nation, in our world, in our community. Lord, we pray for our medical personnel, the doctors, the nurses who are on the front lines uh, helping take care of folks who are sick. We pray for those who have uh, been diagnosed with COVID-19 and for those who will be diagnosed, that you will give them strength and comfort during this time. Lord, I pray for all the families at Woodmont and in the Nashville community and across our country who are struggling. Perhaps they've been laid off or furloughed. Perhaps they are scared about how they're going to provide for their family. They don't know what's coming uh, in, the, in the coming days and weeks. Give them strength. Give them comfort. Let them allow their faith to anchor them during this time. We can learn lessons about life during this time, Lord, so teach them to us. We can learn lessons about slowing down. We can learn lessons about being present with our family. We can learn lessons to not take our health for granted when we do have it and to value and treasure and be thankful for that. Lord, help us to find ways to serve in whatever way we can, to encourage, to let our light shine before other people. And in the midst of a time where there is a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty, Lord, we pray for your peace, the peace that passes understanding, the peace that Christ tells us comes from the Holy Spirit, the peace that is not of this world. Be with those who are suffering, be with those who are struggling, and be with those who are serving. And may we all join together, Lord, in praying that prayer that your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, the time in our church when we uh, we have our stewardship campaign. And every April we ask for your commitment to support the church for another year. Well, right now, this is a very uh, challenging time. And so the leadership is still talking about how we want to handle uh, our stewardship uh, campaign this year, or whether we'll even have a stewardship campaign. But we do know this one thing, that is the church continues to count on your support and your generosity uh, to do the ministries and the work of Christ here on earth and in this community. And so during this offering time, B. James Lowry is going to come forward and I'm so thankful to him for sharing uh, his gift with us on the guitar, but he's gonna play. And there is a link that'll be on the screen. If you'd like to give, uh, you can give on that link or you can obviously mail your offering into the church, but we still need your support uh, right now uh, to do the ministries to the best of our ability. Um, one more thing. There is a way for you to serve from home. You know that the CDC uh, just recommended that when people go out in public that they wear uh, masks or some kind of face coverings. And so if you have the ability to sew or to, to, to make a mask of some sort, you can do that. 
and you can either drop it at the church or let us know and we will come collect them. And we're going to try to get these masks to the Metro workers who are still out doing their jobs here in Nashville because that's what's being recommended and that's a way that our church can serve during this time. Let us pray. Loving God, accept these tithes and offerings as a token of our gratitude for all that you have done for us. In Christ's name, amen.